Hello? Hi, Kyleen. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. But you're going to have to excuse me. How is uh, how that to be pronounced your name? Sure. So my name is pronounced Addie. Pretty Addie. simple. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to like chat with you. I know that we haven't chat like, you know, extensively. So I really appreciate this. No, that's cool. I definitely appreciate it because I mean, no one you know has to has to do it. Um, and again, here I just like to give a voice to the voiceless people who have been through struggles, uh, still facing struggles, oppression, stuff like that. Um, just try to bring those situations to light and you mm-hmm. know, show it on the platform, basically. Yeah. Um, Tell me about your your podcast a little bit more. Like, what what inspired you to do this? And I'm sorry that I'm asking that <laughs> question, but I nah. am I am curious. No, nah, that's cool. So basically, uh, I work for the men's shelter, um, and I've always liked helping people. But I kind mm-hmm. of really found my place at the men's shelter when I started working with homeless individuals mm-hmm. and clients, and seeing a lot of different stories. And what I realized is that like uh, their homelessness comes many times from you know, childhood and unfortunate circumstances, situations, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm hearing these people's stories about how they became homeless, it's just like, dang, a lot of this is out of their control. Um, yeah. You know, and a lot of these people, and I, and I realized what it taught me is that most people don't f- fully understand someone's situation or circumstance, and all they know is what they see on the outside. Right. You know, so many people saw, you know, many of my clients as homeless, but it's just like, well, most of us will be homeless if, you know, we were short two two paychecks, right? Or if we or if we didn't have family support, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. You know, we have clients who are young, eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. um, part of the LBGT community, and their families put them out, right? Yeah. You know, so so when I start seeing that, everybody just sees you as you know homeless. They label you as something, but realistically, it's just like a lot of people really have went through stuff. And mm-hmm. if you actually sit down and have a conversation with somebody, you can find that common ground and understand. Like, dang, I get it. Right. And I, I, I really like that perspective. Um, one of the uh, things that I always mention um, to like friends and people that I meet whenever this, something like this comes up is that, you know, like the society that we live in has right. really pushes us to isolate ourselves. It's very it, like it individualistic. It's very like, you know, I, I, I have to be like doing the struggle. Like, oh, I got to do everything by myself. I have to make mm-hmm. it happen by myself. And the thing, though, is that humans, we're not like, we're not created to be like, indivi- I mean, yeah, we have to recognize like how we are as individuals, but we thrive in community, um, in community care, community empowerment and community overall. Um, so I feel like a lot of times people they focus only on themselves or on their Mm -hmm. immediate family and then a little bit more you know like on their extended family so when they see people like asking for money in intersections it's so foreign to them they're so they're so not people to them you know what i mean i don't Mm -hmm. know if that's exactly yeah no it it makes perfect it makes perfect sense and you feel like you know that's not someone you can relate to. Y'all have anything in common, and that's so far from the truth. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, and society does push us to that, especially Western society in mm-hmm. America. They push you to be work hard so you can make money, so you can take care of you and your family, and you can be good. It's not a society that says work hard so you can help other people and take care of other people. Say that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not. It really pushes you to like be very individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but realistically, naturally, like you said, people were not naturally 
like that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being unique and, you know, and, 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 and standing out and being your own mm-hmm. self. But they don't, they don't push, you know, community. They say you work hard and we're about yourself. Yeah. And, and that leads me to, and, and I apologize, you know, like, let me know, or if you need to cut me off to move on to like, a, another <laughs> no, you're, you're good. but, um, that kind of leads me to the um, this other thought that I had on, and I did not come up with this thought because you know it's been researched. But how, like within Western culture, it's looked down upon if, for example, your grandparents live with you know your parents, it's it's seen as yeah. like bad. Or if you are you know in college and you're still living with your parents, and it's like you know, at least within the um, you know like our original communities. Um, we used to thrive in family. So like multiple mm-hmm. generations lived within one roof and it, it, it wasn't seen as something, you know, negative. negative. Yeah. It was something like we take care of each other. Right. So, exactly. and you know, like here in, you know, the U S um, older people, like, you know, they're, I don't know. I guess it has to do with the fact that like older people really cannot contribute, you know, and I say this, um, not me saying it, but like supposedly older people cannot contribute to capital. So like now at that point, mm-hmm. they're not necessarily useful. So, you know, these ideas of like, you know, once you're old, you have to go to like, um, like a home for older people, like it thrives now, you know? So exactly. And it's, and it's not even realistic. Everybody focuses on, you know, like being useful and everything. And they say, if you work hard, they, you know, you save up money for social security and you'll be good in the end. But it's not really like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what people don't understand is that, especially in uh, homelessness, most people at the shelter aren't on drugs. Mm-hmm. They don't have alcohol problems. They literally weren't taught finances. Mm-hmm. So most people have income. Yeah. But the average for social security is seven hundred and seventy. Mm-hmm. That is not if you don't already have family or a house that was passed down, like you're not finding an apartment anywhere, and that's without a criminal record or or, or bad. Right. Record. Yeah. So so you're you're stuck on this senior waiting list, and if you're up a certain age with no no support, that makes you homeless. Yeah. Yeah. It's so and easy then, to become homeless. Very very much so, and then you get to the shelter. And you went from being by yourself to a sense of community. You may start working in the kitchen, so you may develop friendships. Mm-hmm. You get three, you get three meals in a bed at night, yeah. and you start to build like these these relationships, which people need exactly, to, to exactly. And next thing you know, it's a lot harder to move you from the shelter into housing oh, and things. Oh, like okay, that. got it. Okay, because I'm taking you from community, your friends, yeah, three meals, um, a nurse. Um, counseling right down the hall and I'm putting you into a box before walls. Yeah. So we do see that sometimes. So there's, so I guess there's a need for, I guess more resources to create the better transition program for, um, you know, for homeless people because yeah, that would make more sense. I, I, I think it's more so just first, I think it starts with, um, Caring. I think people naturally have to like care enough about other people mm-hmm. to make an impact or, or to care to make an impact. Yeah. The second thing is, you know, understanding. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't know. I thought people who beg for money uptown, you know, didn't have money or, you know, they're homeless or maybe alcoholics or drugs. Yeah. But then when I started working, I realized no, most people have income. It's just not living with. Yes. It. And it makes it, it makes it 
difficult when people don't understand because they look at you like, oh, you must not work hard because you're homeless or right. you must have messed up in your life. Right. And it's not the case. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that I feel you. I feel you. People think that it's um, poverty is like a personal fault and they don't see it as like exactly. systemic oppression that there is. They think that if you're poor, then that means that you're lazy, you know, like a personal fault. Like it's your fault that it, you're exactly poor. Like it's your fault. Mm -hmm. You must have did something wrong. And in psychology, they call that a just world by uh, a just world bias. Right. Where people naturally, where people na yeah, okay, you say you you've heard of the term. Before. People naturally believe good things happen to good mm -hmm. people and bad things happen to bad. People. Right. So if you're homeless, it's because you're a bad person and you did something. Exactly. So they, you know, it's it's people. Some people think that they have better uh, morals than others. I guess I don't know, mm -hmm. but they think that they're better than other people, and that's why they're not homeless. When that's not the reality, of course. Exactly, and that's kind of what literally has you know led this podcast. I'm talking to people about their stories, um, which can sometimes be difficult because I act transparent and open. Yeah, so I have to be willing to do that. But when I speak to someone who you know, was addicted to crack cocaine, but you talk about what things that happened in their life before that, and it, it shows you how if nothing's happened in a small period of time, it can lead you down a path you never yeah. to go down. Um, as well as interviewing an undocumented citizen. I know many people have seen or heard of undocumented citizens. How many people actually had a conversation with you know, to mm -hmm. understand, okay, cool, why why are you doing documented? What happened? What did you go through? What's your what's, what's your what's your life like? To even just try to empathize, right? Or understand, yeah. Because the way I the way I always seen it is like when people are crossing borders into a country that systemically doesn't want you there. Mm -hmm. What are you running from? Right. Yeah. And I I think sometimes I don't know. So this kind of um th this I guess this part of the conversation that we're having it kind of touches on um you know you mentioned like the the my views on the world and society i feel like yeah. um so, sorry go ahead before you get into <laughs> no before you get before you get into views uh you were you you were born in here in charlotte no so so this is a thing though and you know you mentioned um undocumented people and like people crossing the border so i'm from that what's now mexico so the the reason okay. why so you say what's now mexico right yeah so my family were from the otomi tribe so we were in that land of what's now mexico even before it was um you know the aztecs were on site and even you know before okay. it became mexico before all of that so um there is a need for me to make sure that people understand that people like, for example, Native American uh, tribes here in the U.S., they were here before this was the U.S., right? So that's kind of like what I right. mean when I say that, you know, I, I'm from what's now Mexico, what you would know as Mexico. Um, so, mm -hmm. okay. so my family is from the Otomi tribe. And um, we are from um, Hidalgo. I'm from Hidalgo, which is about, a, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes from Mexico City. So it's, you know, kind of okay. like in the south. And um, I don't know if you have heard of NAFTA. Uh, I have North not. America, uh, it's like a trade agreement. Okay, I heard. I have mm -hmm. heard of it, like, way back in school. So I've heard of it before. I'm not sure what Yeah, so basically, I mean, it's you can you know take days like figuring out like how this impacted everybody but basically it was a trade agreement between the u.s and mexico and what happened is that like this is how it affected my people so basically 
we have land all around us, right? So we use that land okay. because that land is basically communal. It's for everybody. That's how we have been for generations and generations. So like after NAFTA, right. um, that land, we couldn't use it anymore because now the government was like, well, we're going to be using this land for like, you know, for example, American companies to come here and use this land yeah. and then the Mexican government or the American both government? Both of them. Both or of both. them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it was like a trade agreement. So some of that land was basically taken by the government, the local government. So now it's not like the people's land. Now it's like the government's land. So basically, because of that, we couldn't necessarily use the land or live in the land. And that obviously caused a lot of difficulties for already like oppressed communities like you know, indigenous people that are highly oppressed, you know, wh wh whether right. it's in the U.S. or in Mexico, um, oppression for like indigenous communities, it's like, you know, there. Um, so because of that, obviously that created and it, it impacted um, my family. So my mom came to the U.S. and then I had to come okay. to the U.S. Were you born yet? Yeah. Yeah, I was born. She came when I was about five years old. And then she came back okay. to Mexico, whatever. And she brought me here to the U.S. when I was nine. So I had to basically cross the border, do all that. And at the end of the day, you know, like it's you have to do that because if not, things are just not getting there's no like opportunities over there. And it's, you know, like if it was I've always mentioned this, if it wasn't. For that, I would be happy living on acres of beautiful land, but it's it's above me, basically. You know, like I did not agree mm -hmm. to this NAFTA agreement. I had nothing to do with like American imperialism. Like I'm here because y'all forced me to be here. Like y'all forced displacement on on people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And see that, and that's the stuff people may not necessarily know. So if you were where you were enjoying life, everything like that. And then you were displaced, and then you came here. People look at you like, "Oh, why yeah. are you here?" <laughs> yeah. Even though you were the one displaced, you were you were, and even though you were the one displaced, and that's the stuff that I feel like people don't mm -hmm. know, um, and it's unfortunate. And now, when you say you you like crossed the border at nine, do you do you remember? Yeah, that? I remember that uh, vividly. I was nine years old. So yesterday was my birthday. Now I'm 27. Oh yeah, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Happy you're belated good. birthday. No, I apologize. Good. Thank you. So, um, I don't know how many years it's now been, but anyway, so now I'm 27. I was nine um, when I crossed the border. And I do remember that vividly. Um, it was, I think it was a three, four day trip. Um, again, we're from like, you know, like Mexico City is like kind of like south in the middle, but south, you know. In, in Mexico, okay. so we had to first travel to the border, um, and the border is, um, you know, like, it's really dangerous, not just because of, um, you know, like, ICE and um, Border Patrol, but also mm -hmm. because um, there has been, like, and I'm pretty sure you know about this, but there's been, like, a rise in the last couple of decades of uh, drug trafficking um, from Mexico mm -hmm. to the U.S., um, because U.S. is the biggest consumer of cocaine. So, you know, that's supply and demand. So mm -hmm. there's been a lot of um, yep. cartels and there's multiple dangers when you're crossing the border. So it's not only, you know, you're in the desert or you are crossing the river and it's dangerous. And, you know, like 
something could bite you and you die. Like it's not just, you know, those dangers, mm-hmm. but also um, there's a danger of like. He said something could bite you like. I mean, you, like a snake could bite you. And then, you know, you don't have mm-hmm. medical care in the middle of the desert. Um, mm, so there's ma- many things. I mean, you could fall. Have you ever have you, have you ever seen a snake? Like When I was crossing the border? No. We heard it, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, because I'm like interested in like snakes and crocodiles, and not interested enough to like be around yeah. them. But I just, I watch them on that. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but okay, so yeah, you heard but them. Anyway, so there's many dangers. Um, drug traffickers, they might have like gangs here and there, and they extort people for like the money that they don't have because they're crossing the border. Like you know, you obviously don't have money, right. or um. I mean, sometimes like they assault women that, you know, that are crossing the border or like they force them to work for the cartel. So anyways, there's many dangers in crossing the border besides just the physical aspect of it. Have you listened to a podcast that I dropped before when I interviewed an undocumented citizen? Undocumented no, mother I here? haven't actually. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's fine. So I, I was interviewing her. She's still undocumented. Her daughters were born here. But she talks about what her, you know, in the process of crossing the border, and she says some of the mm-hmm. same dangers um, that 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 you speak of, um, like while crossing. So I just see a lot of similarities in which right, yeah, saying. no, it'd be like that. That's the experience. And to be honest with you, um, people from Central America, from El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, mm-hmm. those countries, they have it even worse because not only do they have to cross the Mexico-U.S. border, but they have to also cross like. Uh, the Mexico border and uh, Mexico nowadays is like a mix. Yes, people are oppressed and, you know, the the um, mm-hmm. it's basically like, I don't know, how, how can I put it? Basically, racism and this oppression for racism between racism between um, like indigenous people and people that are mm-hmm. I guess you would call them mestizos, like mixed people, you know, people that have, yeah, um, it's like, it's really fucking bad. I'm sorry. So, um, okay. Nah, you so, good. You for good. example, if you have like natives from Guatemala or El Salvador, and then they go, it, there's a lot of xenophobia, basically. I mean, just to sum it all up and they go to, to Mexico, then like Mexicans will, um, um, like treat them really badly. Like sometimes people say that mm-hmm. the worst border to cross is the one through Mexico to get to Mexico because Mexico is extreme. Mm-hmm. Mexicans are really racist, xenophobic and stuff like that. And yes, that's a generalization, but you know, it's something to acknowledge as well. Um, yeah, it's something, something that, that I've noticed. In, in yeah. Like they, have they have like all these like, um slurs against like people from el salvador slurs against people from guatemala and stuff like that and mm-hmm. obviously there's like a a whole class and race analysis and why that happens um but you know that's something deeper but anyways crossing borders i don't recommend it's rough <laughs> <laughs> i mean but you, you gotta do what you. you gotta do now um, I, I have read about and I have friends in the past who were considered dreamers. You're from, you're obviously mm-hmm. you're familiar yes, with dreamers. I'm familiar correct? with the term. Well, uh, now, now, would, now, would you now would you be considered a dreamer? Because mm-hmm. I was reading up on it. Um, and it says like a dreamer is someone whose parents 
bought them here illegally, but the kid was too young to actually know what mm-hmm. was going on. So they're considered dreamers through the Dream Act 2012, and that allows them to work off, get work authorization yeah. and go to school and so, um, So the Dream Act never passed. So that was like, you know, when I, I don't know, okay. I was not necessarily active within community. Um, the Dream Act never passed. I feel like a smaller proposition of that happened in California, but overall the Dream Act, it never passed. Um, now what did happen was, um, DACA. So the, the third action for DACA, childhood yeah. arrivals, it's, mm-hmm. so yeah, arrivals. that did mm-hmm. happen, um, under the Obama administration. And, um, you know, obviously as soon, as soon as Trump came into office, he tried to, yeah, he tried to cancel that. Um, it didn't happen. Um, we do not believe that Biden will, um, cancel that, you know? Um, but yeah, so the Mm -hmm. first action for childhood arrivals did happen. Now the dream act and the, you know, so-called dreamers, um, Lots of community work, lots of nationwide work for that to happen. We love it. The only, I guess, critique that I have for that movement, the dreamer movement, is that it played a mm-hmm. lot into respectability politics. So basically, you know, okay. they paint you this fo- this picture of like, okay, you were brought here and your parents are the bad ones. You're the good one, but you're the, par- the parents are the bad ones. And you mm. just want to get an education. So it's not your fault. Exactly. But it's just, but and but and you're, yeah, you're great it. because you want to get an education. And people that don't, then they're bad. So, you know, like it plays a lot into respectability politics. But at the end of the day... um. Even if you don't want to go to college, maybe you want to join, like, uh, I don't know, be part of a trade or something like that. So the dream, the mm-hmm. dreamer movement, it's I mean, it's honestly, it's really problematic because of that, because it like criminalizes um, older people um, and it plays a lot into mm-hmm. respectability politics. But yeah, out of that came the um, DACA. Yeah. Gosh, gotcha. But that makes sense. I didn't realize that it didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't uh, and, that, and I mean, but it's not surprising. The way America is set up is just like we speak all this equality, big melting pot, but yeah. it's really not that at all. Um, and a lot of times when I see stuff like that, I'm like, make it make yeah. sense. Don't tell me that. But then, no, yeah, I feel you. Me. I feel you. Uh, and I think, you know, it just goes back to show. And I and I hate when I hear terms like you know, go back to where you came from or you can leave and stuff like that. When realistically, most of us who are here, you know, mm-hmm. didn't originate from here. Exactly. Um, We're um, basically living on so I, stolen know, I, land at that. Yeah. No, ser- seriously. Seriously, because I remember 28 and I remember, you know, being in kindergarten and reading books and learning that, you know, Christopher Columbus discovered America and this and that. Yes, like, no, no. That's, not, <laughs> that's not what happened. You know, yeah, that's you came, yeah. you raped, you murdered, you killed people, and mm-hmm. you took something that was belonged. extremely, extremely brutal to um, Native Americans and indigenous people throughout, you know, the continent. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, so you, um, again, so you, you've been here, and when did you get connected with the community that? Uh, yeah, Colectiva? so, um, Comunidad Colectiva, let's see here. 
Comunidad Colectiva started back in 2016 when like Trump was like, you know, they were like, yeah, we're going to have him as a president. And we were like, okay, he is literally running on like racism and xenophobia. So shit's about to go down. Exactly. Um, so yes. And you said xenophobia this is the second time you said it. What does it mean again? Xenophobia? I've heard it before, but what does it mean kind again? Of like, okay, so think of it like being yeah. scared of like other races or other people or like being scared of like Muslim people because um, 9-11 and then you're like, okay, but Muslim oh, okay. people like, you cannot blame them all for like 9-11. You know what I mean? So that's being xenophobic. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I- um. So yeah, anyway, so before um well yeah around the time that colectiva started i was doing a little bit of organizing well no i was doing a lot of organizing work but with other orgs um (laughs) but as of Mm -hmm. i think now two three years i have been involved in colectiva like in a more um i don't know just way more involved um so yeah colectiva is like a grassroots org and it started back in 2016 oh we were actually featured um in this Netflix documentary, um, it's called, yeah, it's called Immigration really? Nation. I think we're like on episode two or three. I think, it, yeah, I think it's two or three. Um, so we're featured in that documentary in Netflix. Um, it was like a big deal because like Times Magazine, where they were like, okay, y'all got to watch this. Um, mm-hmm. And uh-huh. so we basically provide um, like verification to like 9,000 people and like 25,000 people on social media. Um, so basically we have like okay. ice watch programs um, and we have, we do like know your rights okay. trainings in like different communities. And um, so basically like a lot of times people that are undocumented or do not know English or anything like that. Um, they don't know their rights when like ice is, you know, mm-hmm. doing like, let's say a raid or something like that. They don't know their rights. So we go to like neighborhoods mm-hmm. and we are like, you don't have to give them your name. You don't have to say where you're from. You don't have to do this. You can contact an attorney, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So we do that. And then we have like a network of people, um, citizens that we send out to where we believe ISIS at to verify, confirm that. And um, then we alert again, 25,000 people on social media, 9,000 through text and, you know, all of that. Um, and then, mm-hmm. So, oh, okay. And then, yeah, um, this, um, yeah, this summer, I guess we also um, raise funds to give like a thousand two hundred to like communities that were affected by like COVID because you know, like a lot of people can't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And besides that, we have the youth program. I believe I mentioned a little bit of that to you. Okay. So basically, like, so when you hear, you know, ICE may be in a particular area or something like that, you basically send out text messages or uh, via social media of um, individuals a part of the mm-hmm. organization um, to kind of keep them, you know, keep them updated yes. and, and just mm-hmm. kind of warm. So basically we send out, like, um, somebody that is in our network that is a citizen. We send them out to that, let's say, neighborhood, uh, whatever the case might be. Um, apartment complex, trailer park, whatever. And um, they confirm mm-hmm. if ICE is there. And then if, if it is there, then we send out like an alert, like, hey, you know, you might, y'all might want to avoid independence and, you know, this intersection, whatever the case might be, because ICE is there. And then we, you know, prevent people. I was, 
surprisingly, I would say I've never seen, because we do have undocumented citizens um, in the shelter. I've never seen ICE come to the shelter, mm-hmm. but I do remember once um, around that time when Trump, you know, um, was in office, they were saying that we don't have to speak them, but let's mm-hmm. let them into our doors. Um, and none of our, um, we call them guests at the shelter. None of our, none of our guests yeah. have to step out and speak to anybody. Um, so I do yeah. remember that happened around the time. No, now, yeah, that, that, that's about right. Ahead. Um, there's some places that are like sensitive places that they're not supposed to go to like schools, churches, etc., so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, but there have been occasions of like ICE mm-hmm. agents going to like school stops, uh, school bus stops, I mean, um, and just mm-hmm. waiting there to like take people away. So, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, you know, so you've been you you've been here um, pretty much since you were, since you were nine. Um, how does how does it feel to know like systematically and socially like um, there are many people uh, in administration as well as just people who who don't even give you know people like yourself like a chance or even try to understand like you know the circumstances mm-hmm. that you are leaving from of y'all stories like because every 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 person of a different race wakes up every day and how they see America, how America sees them. Yeah, no, I feel you. So um, I feel like, again, political education is really important because with that, you are able to understand your role in society. And at least my role in society is to fight Mm -hmm. like oppression, right? To fight like capitalism, imperialism, which Mm -hmm. is the same as capitalism, but in a bigger, you know, way in the world. Um, So that's that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, how can I put it? I'm not pressed if people don't want me to be here. Um, I know my role here (laughs) is to help out um, community, like oppressed communities. Um, So, yeah, um, you know, not pressed about that. We're here to, like, struggle. As you you shouldn't be. Um, Now, you were saying that, um, you know, when the Trump Trump administration went in, honestly, I just think, Trump represents what a lot of people who don't look like us feel inside, and he just gave them mm-hmm. the confidence to kind of speak up. Um, I think he's just a manifestation of how a large majority of this uh, country feels. Um, how do you feel about like other like other Hispanics and um, and people of color who who voted for him, even though he wasn't mm-hmm. he didn't have their best interests at heart? Like, you have do you do you, do you know, know someone, someone like, like that? that? Um, because people like that would not be in my circle because, you know, that goes like against who I am, Uh against my humanity. But this is the thing. Um, and this Mm -hmm. is where class comes into play. So there's, so a lot of times I feel like we focus on the racism and the race. Yeah. Like the, the racist aspect that Trump shows and it's obviously clear and, mm-hmm. you know, like he's racist as hell. Like, you know, you think of Trump as a person of color, as an oppressed community, and you, you know, you think of racism. But the thing, though, is that, for example, right. there's Latinos and there's black people that voted for Trump. So we're like, why would y'all do that? You know, is, is, saying, is, is saying Hispanics, is that is um, that incorrect? Like, verdict? honestly, I mean, I say at this point, it doesn't even matter. I use Latinos because Hispanic has like a different connotation. 
Um, and I can send you like a little bit. Oh, so Hispanic has Hispanics. a negative connotation? Uh, you know what? Just keep it to Hispanic or Latino. Yeah, like, you know, I, I, I guess I've just <laughs> done like way too much reading into it. So then I'm like, okay, Latino, that's a better term to use. But then I'm like, you know what? Like, I guess I am a Latina, but at the same time, I'm indigenous. So I don't know. It doesn't, it's not, it's not important right now. But, um, but yeah, so what was I saying? Okay, so okay, cool. that's where the class aspect comes in. Because we're like, okay, so why are there Latinos voting for Trump? Why are there black people voting for Trump? Like, he obviously doesn't like us. So like, why are mm -hmm. they voting for them, for him, right? And that's because a lot of times exactly. we just think of the, the racial aspect of it. And we don't realize that class also comes into play. So, um, you know. Mm -hmm. Like maybe those people that, for example, in Florida that voted for Trump, they're they're upper class. Yeah, it's classes, and it's probably and classism. Like the, the rich people yeah. that came from like Cuba because they, they, you know, Fidel was like no more plantations, and they're like, okay, well, let's go to the U.S. Then those are the people that voted for for Trump. It wasn't working class people. Mm -hmm. so, so they identify with their that race. class before, yep. mm -hmm. you know, before that culture. Yeah, race. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, that makes I guess I never thought about I guess I never thought about it. See, and that's, that's just so, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's mm -hmm. unfortunate that people see it that way um, because I felt like, you know, again, I wish this truly was a melting pot here, you know. Yeah. But it it's not. Um, I wanted to ask you, are you familiar with uh, Tammy, Tammy no. Duckworth? I, I apologize. So, no, nah, it's fine. I just read up on this, like, today when I was preparing for the interview. Um, but I saw a post on Facebook where it was like, mm -hmm. uh, deported veterans, you know, celebrate Veterans Day. And I and I reposted it because it's like, deported and mm -hmm. veterans shouldn't go together at all. Like, you literally fought for this country that didn't fight for you. And then you mm -hmm. fought and then they deported you. And I think it's messed up. But Tammy Duckworth is a senator in Illinois. And she pretty much... Um, she was looking to push uh, a bill, um, a Veterans Act, pretty much protecting mm, okay. deported veterans. Um, and I just read up on it today, and I just wanted to know if, if you were familiar with it. And so she presented a bill in February, and basically it will pr protect veterans mm -hmm. and allow them back into the country to process, um, to get processed. Mm. That way they could become U.S. citizens. And it got pr it got proposed in February. Um it has to be reviewed by a mm -hmm. committee before okay. it can go to the House. So my, my thoughts on that um, is that, you know, we, and I don't know your personal beliefs, but, you know, we all always say, like, we hate cops. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we, we don't like what they do to, like, um, minorities. We don't like what they do to, like, black people. We don't like their, mm -hmm. their role in society. Um, so, but the thing, though, is that no. the military, they're like the cops of the world. So, um, do I feel bad mm -hmm. individually for maybe like veterans that got deported? Maybe. Cause I mean, I don't even know them. Right. But sure. Let's feel bad for them individually. Right. But at what cost? So at what cost are we going to be mm -hmm. protecting the military? Um, if you look at like maps of the, of, of where there's been like military intervention throughout the world. Like you would be like, what the hell? Like, why cannot the U S just not mind their own business? Um, 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, they don't do that. You know, like if if this bill passes to like protect veterans from you know people that were in the military from getting deported, I mean that's great. You know, cool. But at the same time, the military they're like the again like they're the cops of of the world. They're out there, you know, dropping bombs on like hospitals, children's hospitals at that. They are. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, like aiding in, um, like presidents being outed, and you know, thanks to like Hillary Clinton and the Obama administration, now there's like actual slave trades going on again. Um, so it's like you know, you know what? I, I don't, mm-hmm. yeah, yo, I don't know about that. You know, like y'all be good. No, I get it. <laughs> y'all be good. <laughs> I get it. I, <laughs> I get it. It, it. So it makes me. Um... It makes me go into literally a podcast I yeah previously mentioned um, that we have spoke about when mm-hmm. I interviewed the black police officer here in Charlotte. Um, and in that podcast, I I yeah. asked the uh, officer several questions. One of which was, um, "Is there a mm-hmm. blue coat of silence when it comes to the police force?" And he didn't mm-hmm. really respond and said he couldn't answer that. But many right. times. No answer is an answer. Um, so I, I interviewed him about that, and then I interviewed him about is there ever an opportunity, is there mm-hmm. ever a right reason to shoot a person in the back? Yeah. And he said no, but we see it often. And everybody's mm-hmm. talking about defund the police, defund the police, and also there they the people who are for it say it, people yeah. who are against it don't understand it because because they think defund the police means take all the mm-hmm. money from the police force so there is no police force. So for some people that is like the, the case. case. But I, I mean there's when people say defund the police I've heard like many um, like many I guess plans on how to go about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. So, mm-hmm. so some people may do maybe do see it that way. The way I, I see it and that was that the way that it was explained to me is the police force receives so much money and so the police force as well as their union, it's defunding police means take some of that money and allocate some other responsibilities mm-hmm. put some of that money into other places like housing for low-income individuals yeah. or for elderly individuals. Because they receive, the police force receives, the, the, I remember when Joe Biden came here, someone had put across the bridge the number of millions that the police force in Charlotte receives and then the number yeah. of millions mm-hmm. that goes into actual housing, low income yeah, families, definitely, and the difference. No, like, yeah, ridiculous. like I, I don't, I don't fuck with the police, like at all. Like I will say that if, if, if um, so defund the police for me feels mm-hmm. short because the fight against. So basically, the police, um, and I can send you some like articles or some books on this, but like for example, the police is the enforcers of the system, right? So. You like if you're right. fighting against the police and what they do, their role in society, um, you're you have to be fighting uh, right. against the system, you know, because like they're just the enforcers of yeah, you are. capital, you know. Um, so like at least for me, defund the police. Mm-hmm. Yes, like I'm behind that. Obviously, everybody has their own. Um, within like yeah, within the left 
or you know left definition or, yeah to the left of liberals i guess everybody has their idea of like what defunding the police means and like some people are like you know just minimal amount of police some people are like no nah, fuck their budget like let's get some social workers and let's get some more money to housing. <laughs> some people are That's, like, I see that. you know, defunding the police is bad. Why are we doing this um, this uh, movement? It has to be like, you know, um, fuck the system. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's many there's many viewpoints on that. But um, yeah. yeah, sorry, I just went on a tangent there. No, nah, no, nah, you're good. You're good. So think, what would you like to see happen? I think that has to do a lot with um, imagination. And I know it sounds, I don't know if that sounds like childish or, or what, but I feel like a lot of times we have to really think outside of the box, as cliche as it sounds. I, I personally, like right now, today, what I would like to see at least, um, if we're just focusing on, you know, one part of um, the system, I guess, you know, the police, I would like them to be fully defunded. Um, I would like that money to be used for like social mm-hmm. workers, for health, mental health, for housing. I would like all, just imagine like that huge budget. Um, I would like that money to be used to like decolonize the minds of people. And again, this is me dreaming. This is like, you know, in my perfect world, in my head. Um mm-hmm. A lot of times people are like, well, if we don't have police, then who is going to protect us? And my answer to that, yeah. And and, and the thing, though, is that I, I, was going to ask I that would too. rather, if I was in an emergency, and I actually have been in multiple, like, really messed up situations in the past five years. But in those times, I have reached uh-huh. out to my friends. I have reached out to, like, my family because the police is known to make shit worse. So, like, you call the police and somebody's about to die. Um, And, you know, like, I don't know if you knew this, Mm -hmm. but 40% of, like, cops, they, like, abuse their their wives or partners. So it's, like, they're they're not the... um, They don't have the morals. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not... They knit. Um, And there's better ways to, you know, like... (laughs) Um, keep your community safe than to call the police. There's way more effective ways at mm-hmm. that, like, you know, than to just call the cops on somebody. So, um, so I think, you know, in my perfect world, I think I, I would like to see police defunded. I do think, however, that we do need police because I think a lot of times, in some situations, you do have your community, which you can call on, or friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people may not have that. Um, however, I do think anything that doesn't mm-hmm. have checks and balances is a problem. Mm-hmm. And we don't have checks and balances in the police force at all. Yeah. When people abuse the power. No one, no one comes to check them. You rarely see police officers speak up against other police officers. You know, if you're a teacher right. and another teacher sees a bad teacher, they'll yeah. say that's a bad teacher. Or that's a bad doctor. Um, but it seems mm-hmm. like in the police force, no one, there's no one holds anyone accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's the biggest gang yep. we have here in Charlotte. I mean, well, in the United States. And when there's no checks and balances, people abuse their power. And I forget what it's called, but it's called, um, called it. It, mm-hmm. it's something group. Mm-hmm. It's group, group think. Um, it's called group think. And individually, one police officer 
you know, may have good intentions, may have a good heart, may look to help people and everything that. like that. But however, when you come into a system that's corrupt, even if you're yeah, exactly. even if you're a good person, exactly. the system will end up corrupting who you are. Or mm-hmm. you won't be in the system. And there it's going to be very, it's be very know, hard to is, do your you job. Know, people are like, well, not all cops are bad, blah, blah, blah. But as you said, this is this is the system. Like, we're not thinking of people as individuals. We're thinking of how they act as, like, you know, within their police department. And the few good cops that, you know, that you could say, like, oh, those were the good cops, they got, like, kicked out of the police department. Like, it, the, the few people that were like hey this ain't right like exactly framing people whatever the case might be those people either end up dead or end up being shunned or you know like the the few good cops end up not being cops because they realize and they're actually good so they realize that they cannot be participating in that those are the the few good cops the ones that are you know um mm-hmm. exactly I think there's a great documentary. I think it's called The Seven Five. There's a great documentary. And basically the cop is set back in the... The okay. documentary is new, but it's about a cop who joined the force in like the 80s. And in, in New York, he joins the force. Great guy. He's like, I'm living to help people. Mm, and then he got into okay. the police the precinct. And they were like, no, we don't do that here. Yeah. And it became extremely corrupt, abusing the yeah. power, stealing money, stealing drugs. He ended up going to jail for yeah. multiple a long time and it ended up getting out just recently and that's when the documentary came out but he's just like he's like yo when I, when I went into it at 21 I was yeah. fresh I was new and I got in there and it was like none of that mm-hmm. it was like I wouldn't have he's like I, I would have had to leave he's like because I wouldn't have been able to function yeah. in this system because they would have they would put me out one way or another and even when I interviewed that police officer mm-hmm. I had to because I always look for complete honesty and transparency with the, the interviewee mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll send this to you for your approval before I post. Yeah. Because he understands that he has a job to go into the next day. Right. And no, I feel you. this interview can make his job very difficult. Very, very difficult. So, um, but yeah. Uh, and again, so you said you would like, what you would like to see as far as defunding the police. What would um, you like to see? I would like to here see. In Charlotte, North Carolina? Let's see here. I would like to see more. I would like for people to think of their civic duty to be more than just voting. So, you know, everybody has like a discourse that they feel strongly about when it comes to voting. Some people are like voting doesn't work. Some people are like, you know, you're voting within the system, blah, 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 whatever. I'm not, you know, I don't care about the voting part. Like that's irrelevant to me. To me, what matters is what are you doing to help out your community besides you know, writing on a ballot. Like, what are you doing on the everyday when, um, you know, exactly. when the elections are like fully over, whatever the case might be, what are you doing to help your neighbors, to get to know your neighbors, to um, work on like housing initiatives, to, um, you know, like, I, I just want people in Charlotte to, to be more engaged uh-huh. and more neighborly and to care more about others. Mm-hmm. And it, I saw an interview where it touches on that. And the guy was saying, people are so in love mm-hmm. with the voting and election process. Um, and, 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 and they're so in love with that, uh, that vertical of pushing change because it requires really absolutely nothing mm-hmm. of themselves. And yep. it's less work for them. 
It's like people yep. want these things, want change, but most people aren't willing to work for it. And by voting, I the can put this, I can put Instagram. the, the, uh, I can put, <laughs> oh, yes, yes, exactly. I can put the sticker on Instagram and right. I can say, hey, I voted for you. You go do the work. You make change. I don't personally have to do it. I don't have to put in any work. I don't have to put in any finances. I can put the right. onus on someone yeah. else. So when it's not done, I but can we don't say, live in a system that I did my that, part that allows for that. We live in a system where, I, like, you know, working class people, minorities, the oppressed people, oppressed nationalities, we really have to come together and make shit happen because the government is not going to be doing things to our best interests. Like, if anything, we'll get some crumbs, but at the end of the day. We have to realize that, exactly. like, oppressed people in the U.S., um, we have to make that change happen. We do. We do. And if you could talk to someone um, who, if you, could, if you could talk to someone who had different views than you or didn't understand, you know, I would your tell fight them or your to, cause, um, you know, what would you tell them to, to do? To do a lot of reading. To, the, to do a lot of, like, learning. Um and and this is one of the things that, like, I have, and I get it. Sometimes we don't want to engage. Like, if you know that somebody, like, in, that has, like, opposite viewpoints than you. Like, if you know that person really doesn't want to learn and all they want to do, let's say, is argue through, like, Facebook comments, for example, whatever the case might be, then you're like, you know what? You're just wasting my time. I'm not right. going to talk to you because you already know that you don't want to listen to me. You just want to argue. Mm -hmm. But if there is, if there are people that have like different viewpoints, but this right. is because again, um, they either don't understand, they, you know, they just watch the news and like, that's their only source of information. Then I would be willing to have a dialogue because then if they're like, if mm -hmm. they like, okay, if they are doing this, asking these questions, yeah, in good faith, then I would be like, let me sit if down open. with you and, like, struggle with you. And, you know, like, let's learn together on this. Then I would, yeah, mm -hmm. lots of reading. Um, you mentioned something. <laughs> and uh, basically, I was, I was doing some research, and it said that most people who are already set in their ways and their beliefs, it's hard to change. And the psychologist said, re mm -hmm. mainly because... Most of that was taught mm. to them, and they structured their whole life around racism, misogyny, mm -hmm. or bigotry. So that's who that's their friend circle. That's probably where mm -hmm. they live, how they vote, right. where they work, who they associate with, their wife that they chose. And it's like to to, to for them at a certain age to change and completely view yeah. things differently would shake up their whole life as far as again friendship, right. friendship circle, wives. Husband, no, yeah, that however makes sense. you believe. That makes and he said most people because, aren't willing um, to do that. Like, just imagine, like, you know, you are shown this other viewpoint, but, like, accepting that, you know, other viewpoint means that you're losing or you have to come to terms that, let's say, your family is racist, your friends are racist, and then you're like, ah, that's a little too uncomfortable. Let me, let me just continue with my, exactly. my viewpoint as always. Exactly, exactly. Um, opposed to sometimes yeah. if you forget it out when you're younger, you're still picking your friends and stuff like that, and you're not in married mm -hmm. or whatever the case is, and you end up what a lot of people will call the black sheep. Um, exactly. But again, there's it's, it's nothing wrong with being the black sheep of your family. Um, so if someone were here in Charlotte mm -hmm. and they wanted to get involved with 
Comunidad uh, Colectiva? Um, you know, what would they have to do? You know, um, what's that process? What's that process? Like? Yeah, sure. Whether they're so undocumented they or website, whether is it's just someone looking volunteer. Colectiva, and I'll send you like the, um, I'll send you a text with the, the website that we have. Um, and we have uh, like a volunteer form for people to like, you know, okay. let us know what is it that, what are their talents? Um, are they good with like maybe websites or are they good with like making graphics? Mm -hmm. So we have like a volunteer, um, I guess, program. And then if there are undocumented people that want to work, there are roles for undocumented mm -hmm. people. Um, it would just be like within their communities. Um, and that's just like for safety reasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Understood. Understood. Well, look, um, I definitely yeah, of appreciate your time. Um, for coming on the Speak Your Peak podcast. Um, not only was it <laughs> very informal, yeah. um, but I think, you know, the needle was starting to change. And I think it needs to change. Mm -hmm. How with the old and with the new? Because the old ways of thinking, the mm -hmm. old ways of living, it is no longer working. And, you know, and, and it definitely needs to change. And it's good to see, like, yeah. myself and the ones um, our age that are young and, and even younger, Yes. Uh, coming mm -hmm. in with different beliefs. And I think social media has allowed people to see more things and be more open to everything. Um, yeah. And learning as well as collect connecting yeah. with people with similar I'm, ideals. I'm very grateful that, that you, um, that you uh, invited me to, to your podcast. Like, I really appreciate it. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you're okay that you make it, you know, kind of like an environment where you can be yourself and you can be like transparent. Um, so, yeah, I really appreciate this. I really do. So I appreciate it. Um, I'll definitely look out for your text with the link and any other information because when I post the video, I'll add mm -hmm. that for anyone who is interested or, or even listening. Um, again, I appreciate your knowledge, your wisdom, um, your openness, your transparency. Um, I've learned some things today. I'm sure our listeners have. Yeah. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining the Speak Your Peace podcast. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at underscore speak your piece, P-E-A-C-E. Like, um, yes, I'm Addy. Addy Rivas with Colectiva and basically just a community member here in Charlotte. <laughs>